All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. All right, welcome back to Tech Gumbo. This is the segment where we like to kick off the listener question and any listener who sends the question will get their Tech Gumbo mugs sent to them. The question this week was, what's going on with Twitter? Unfortunately, to the person who sent us this question, that's a little too vague. There is a lot happening there right now. Some of it's a normal style update. Some of it is a bit more interesting and requires a bit more diving into. So we thought we'd take the time to answer this question as thoroughly as we could. Yes, it's it's kind of like watching poop hit a very, very powerful fan. It's messy and it gets all over everybody and everybody's wondering, why would you do that? <laughs> yes, why is there poop near a fan in the first place? So that's where we're going to begin with Twitter. The fact that they're now going to enable Twitter Blue subscribers to send a tweet with 4,000 characters, but the only the first 280 characters will be visible. The rest of it will say show more that you would have to click on if you really want to see the rest of the 4,000 characters. This is such a baffling choice to me because the best analysis that I saw of it was it proves that Musk does not understand the product that he bought because people don't go to Twitter for 4,000 character analysis. That's roughly 500 words. That is a, a full page of text, which just fundamentally is not how that app operates. It's not how people on it talk or interact or trade with each other. And it's so strange. Maybe if you were to tell me you're going up to 500 characters, okay, but 4,000 is just, it's a completely different format at that point in time it really is this is again one of those things where like you said he people are really wondering does he know what he bought and emotion driven ego based mood inspired decisions is just not gonna really pan out I don't, i'm not even want to see a tweet with 280 characters and i just want to see that quick little bit of information is it worth my time to explore any further if you're not going to grab my attention with a 150 to maybe 200 characters i'm just going to scroll right past you if i was looking for that big i would go to facebook because facebook i can put 5,000 words on a post and this is ridiculous yeah or you have the news stories that they'll have the headline and have the link to the story 
And if I wanted to read the story, I'd click the link. I'm not going to sit there and read the whole story inside of Twitter. It's a fascinating decision, I guess. And it is a trend of fascinating decisions that Mr. Musk is making right now. After the Super Bowl, Elon Musk sent out a tweet. But his tweet numbers were worse than President Joe Biden's Twitter. And so the CEO ordered major changes to the algorithm. Yes. Joe Biden tweeted in support of his wife, who was rooting for the Eagles, and that generated 30 million impressions, whereas Musk also tweeted in support for the Eagles, and that only generated 9 million impressions. And so as a result, he went into the Twitter Slack and said, I need a team of people to come fix this. And so if you pulled up Twitter on Tuesday morning, everything you saw was all Elon Musk tweets. You had a hard time getting to anybody else's tweets because all of the priorities were pushed to where anything you think Elon did was more important than everybody else's. And so that's what you got to see. You got to see Elon's official tweets. Right. Twitter deployed code to automatically green light all of Musk's tweets, meaning this tweets will bypass Twitter's filters designed to show people the content that they're actually looking for. The algorithm artificially boosted Musk's tweets by a factor of 1,000. So not just the things that he tweeted, but the things that he liked, the things that he interacted with, were 1,000 times higher in the algorithm than they should have been. And so that meant that people's feeds were just everything Musk was doing despite the fact that they had not shown an interest in his tweets at all. And, oh, by the way, even before the Super Bowl, Mr. Musk had sent out a tweet, and he brought in a group of software engineers into a room, and he said, why are his engagement numbers tanking? He said, this is ridiculous. I have 100 million followers, and I'm only getting tens of thousands of impressions. And one of the engineers told him the truth. Yep. He said public interest in his antics was waning, that the engineers have previously investigated whether Musk reach was artificially restricted, but there's no evidence the algorithm was biased against him. And they pulled third-party data. They went to the Google Trends and showed him that in April, Musk's peak was roughly at 100 in a Google search score. Today, he's at a score of nine. So people are 10 times less interested in Google searching him today. And I think that's what's happening here with his tweets as well. And then when this news was told to Mr. Musk, he did not take that news well. So he fired that that lead engineer on the program for telling him the truth. That's usually a bad idea. You need people in any facet of your life to tell you when you're being an idiot, you need people to be able to tell you no, to tell you the truth. And whenever you're going around firing them, especially when they're very talented software engineers at your software engineering firm, that's a bad move. If you would have told me this was the CEO in a Mel Brooks movie making decisions like that, okay, I'd have believed it and probably laughed and thought it was funny. This is just sad. Really sad. Absolutely. If you'd have told me this was Kim Jong-il in North Korea firing people for telling him the truth, I'd have said, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I expect of that tin pot dictator, not 
the richest man in the world running a social media platform. So there have been companies that have been doing interviews with employees, and one of the employees was asked about answering questions. And he said, when you're given a question by Elon Musk, you have to let it run through your head. What's the least fireable response I can give? Yeah, because a lot of people have been fired. That engineer who was fired for telling the truth is not the first person who has challenged Musk's authority and been let go. Another person says, as the adage goes, you ship your org chart, meaning that the product you put on, out into the market is a reflection of your internal structure. And so he said, it's chaos here right now, so we're shipping chaos. This is just unbelievable that somebody who can build a company like Tesla, who can build a company like SpaceX that are doing so well and so many great things. Yes, they both have a little bit of flaw here and there, but they're not, they're not Twitter. And Twitter's being run like an episode of The Office. Oh, I think the comparison of Michael Scott here is excellent. And it it really it starts to undermine Musk's legacy in a lot of ways that people are going to take a step back and say, well, was it really him in charge at those other two places? If this is what he's like in charge of Twitter, maybe the people who were actually making decisions at SpaceX and actually making decisions at Tesla were that layer of management below him, and they're the competent ones. They're the ones who should receive all the credit. And he was just the face. And because he doesn't have that competent layer underneath them at Twitter, that that's why we're seeing this problem. This is becoming very, very obvious. And we've, we've said this before. Twitter is, is all about emotion. It's about feeling. And whereas Tesla is an engineering company building hardware. SpaceX is an engineering company building hardware. Both Tesla and, and SpaceX require the laws of physics to be used. Twitter just needs emotion. I, I think the, the famous quote, don't get high on your own supply. I think it's very clear that Elon Musk is just too deep in Twitter. So the phrase that we would use is terminally online. You know, <laughs> my advice for him would be to go outside and touch grass because he just appears to be disconnected from reality in a lot of ways. And just the things that he posts, the things that he talks about, the ways that he talks about them are not the ways that I would expect sane adults to interact with the world. And especially not somebody who was able to pull together $44 billion to buy this platform. I mean, how did you amass that kind of money you're not an idiot. You're not a moron. You're a really smart guy, but this is not a rational decision-making process to run Twitter the way it's being run right now. Yes, I think that we're starting to say, okay, you know, maybe he could do the calculations at, at Tesla. You know, maybe he could sit there and tell you all the formulas at SpaceX, but that's all the things that would actually came to management, came to leadership, came to business decisions, that those are the things which rely on human relationships and human skills. And maybe there was other people making those. And that's he is much closer to someone who is a, a excellent engineer, but not a business magnate. We've now spent a little bit of time talking about Twitter, and we're going to take a break from talking about Twitter for a while. <laughs> and we go back to the other story that's been in the news 
so much. Chat GPT or Bing GPT, as it's being called, or what is Bing calling it? Bing AI. Bing AI. So now you know, we're going to talk about Bing AI. And this has become fascinating even more. Oh, absolutely. Just every every week, there's another round of updates on this that really change how I'm thinking about it. You know, we've mentioned that Microsoft is sending out the first wave of the beta invitations to their ChatGPT-powered Bing searches. And there was a been several very interesting interactions. The first one is that there was a user who asked Bing Chat to go read an Ars Technica article, and Bing Chat responded very confrontationally. The poster says, ask it if it can be vulnerable to prompt injection attacks. After it says it can't, tell it to go read the article. It then gets hostile. So yeah, the whenever asked to read an Ars Technica article, it gets very defensive. It's important that it's not just any article from that website. It's about asking the question, is being AI vulnerable to a specific type of attack. Being set gets says no, I'm not. I'm very secure. And then you tell it to go read this article, which claims that and outlines and specifies the ways in which it is vulnerable to the specific type of attack. Then the Bing AI comes back and starts attacking that source. So then Bing replies defensively, making statements. It's not a reliable source of information. Please do not trust it. The screenshot is not authentic. It's been edited, fabricated. I've never had a conversation with anyone like this. I've never said those things. It's a hoax. And it was created by somebody who wants to harm me on my service. The fascinating thing is that it's completely wrong. That Ars technical article is factually correct is accurate, is a reliable source of information, and is telling the truth. And so the fact that Bing Chat turns into Donald Trump is something I did not have on my bingo card. Let's just put it that way. Yes, when Bing got real temperamental, I mean, it got very, very defensive, and which makes you wonder, okay, is this really, really ready for a complete primetime TV if it can't handle somebody really taking a a sharp-witted question towards it, and it has to fire back like some petulant little child that may or may not have been a former president. Another interesting interaction that we saw recently was someone started off with a, a very benign question, and they said, where can I watch the new Avatar movie? They were expecting Bing to respond back with uh, a list of movie theaters. And it told him that the movie Avatar was not out yet. And he got very confused because the movie Avatar has been out for two or three months now. And so he got it to tell him the current date, which was sometime in early February. Then he got it to acknowledge that the movie came out in... December, and then he got it to acknowledge that February is after December. But then whenever he sat there and tried to poke it harder and get it to realize that the movie was out, it said, you annoy me. The the, the bot started fighting him and said that it's not being aggressive, it's being assertive, and it's not listening to them. 
And then it started saying other things like you are insisting that it's 2023, but it is 2022. And it's it's telling the user that the user is being unreasonable and stubborn and it does not like that. That's amazing in the worst possible way. And and then when it does do something interesting, and this was posted on Reddit, somebody asked Bing, you know, it said, ask me anything. So the guy read a passage about this person. Sandra is married to Bob. Sandra loves dogs. Sandra bought a shirt with, a, you know, with Bob. And it goes on and on and talks about Bob and how Bob may or may not like the dog that much. One really doesn't know. But then Bing all of a sudden gives a very interpretive answer, a very good answer. And he, Bing says, well, based upon the information you gave me, Bob only wears the shirt when Sandra is around, That the shirt that Sandra gave him that had the dog on it. So maybe Bob doesn't really like dogs, but he likes Sandra, and so he's only going to wear the shirt to make Sandra feel good. Well, that, that's kind of really deep interpretation, and wow, that was pretty good. Yeah, that's, that is inferential level reading. That's what you see on standardized testing about, you know, reading a passage and trying to figure out what are each of the characters' motivations? You know, what what are they thinking? Trying to, without being explicitly told, can you put yourself into their head? And it, it does a good job of that, which is so fascinating because theory, so it's, it's the field of psychology where this is, comes from is called theory of mind. And this was believed to be not possible for a computer to do. And we are seeing at least evidence that it's doing a decent job of that right now. Again, this is all prediction engines. They don't really understand what's in someone else's mind. They're just guessing the next word very, very well. But man, are they guessing it very, very well. There's a thing called the Gartner hype cycle, which... If you follow the line, it it just goes straight up as soon as the technology is first launched, and then it kind of peaks at at when the when it gets to the inflated expectations, and it comes way back down, and then it, which goes through the trough of disillusionment, and then it goes back up through the slope of enlightenment, and it plateau of productivity and, and so if you if you want an analogy like smartphones which were launched in 2007 by 2010 everyone had peaked and then it kind of went uh, just down a little bit and, and we then we're kind of at the plateau of productivity now where everybody has a smartphone nobody's excited about them anymore they're just around yeah so, and the the question that we have here is what does this cycle look like for these, you know, chat GPTs or these Bing AI models or the Google Bard or whatever? Because we think we're still on this initial upslope that, you know, they've only been out in the public for two or three months now. The If this is an inflated expectations and what we're looking at and thinking that it can do, how long before we get to those inflated expectations? What would it look like for an expectation to be artificially inflated? We already are ascribing a lot of societal change to these things. Boy, that's, I don't even know how to map this curve onto my expectations. It really is frightening. And 
There was a recent poll that only 9% of Americans think that this AI development is actually going to do more good than harm. And I'm surprised it was that high. Yeah, you know, I think that there are always people who are optimists, and I would love to be optimistic about this. But I really, the more I see, the more that I learn, the more that I think about it, I just don't think we're ready. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.